Hello and welcome. It is the Dilipram All-Rounder Podcast. This is part two of the Formula One 2021 season with my guest, Kostal Krishnamurthy, a.k.a. Kozzy Krish. I mean, it's a Formula One 2021 season, so I think it deserves two parts. But we finished off last week with a first look at the top five moments. We had a look at the number one moment, which was the final race, the final lap between Lewis and Mighty Max. So we're going to start off this week's episode with the second top five moment. Then we're going to go through the other segments and the other categories. You know, most disappointing performances, some weird and wonderful stats from the Formula One 2021 season and, you know, things like, will you remember this in 40 years time? So, you know, sit back and relax. I've got some awesome episodes coming up for you with some great guests, very, very knowledgeable guests. So I'm going to be looking at the 2005 Ashes, for example, and we'll be bringing on a good mate of mine, Karen Rao. I'm going to be looking at some English Premier League seasons, and I'm going to be looking at some tennis as well. And then, you know, I want some audience feedback. I want to know what you want to listen to. What are some key sporting events and sporting highlights that you'd want me to talk about? And if there is one, just let me know. You know how to contact me. So I'd love that because I'm all about that listener engagement. But yeah, sit back, relax, enjoy part two of this most fantastic Formula One 2021 season. See you soon. Number two for me, this is a Australian influence though. It's the Italian Grand Prix. It's Danny of Ricks course. winning in Italy. It was out of the blue. We I can't say we thought McLaren You're even not prior to the race two. were going to win. They had a one-two. Yes. The, my problem with the race is this, is that Verstappen and I keep saying Verstappen and people listening are going to say, no, mate, it's Verstappen or something else. Don't worry. Max and Lewis both crashed so someone who didn't watch that the race front page though yeah but someone who didn't watch the race would say oh max and lewis crashed it's a default win to danny no, no it's not danny ricks was i think he was second in qualifying he overtakes max at the start and it didn't look like he was going to relent the lead if you compare it to the rest of the series there is no way you could reasonably say that if Max and, and Lewis crash out, Danny's going to win. You're forgetting Bottas, you're forgetting Checo, you're forgetting a host of other decent drivers in good cars, right? And Danny Rick having, sadly, probably the worst season of his career till that point. I don't know, maybe 2022 was worse. But 2022 was definitely worse. Weirdly, 2023 so far has I been had a lot better of, for I had him. a lot of curse words coming out watching oh, Danny in 2022. Geez. Um, it's a frustrating thing as an Australian fan, but you're, you're, you're right. Like, it's not a sold thing that if you have this, you know, Max Lewis blow up on the side. But if they hadn't crashed, I still think Danny, like, Ricciardo was in with a shot. He Top five Max. finish, I think. You reckon top I, I five? I think top five finish. I think okay. the, the, the difference of that, um, of that crash isn't just that they were, uh, the positions changed, but it's also that Danny was suddenly in clear air. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier on, clear air racing is different. Right. If you're fighting for a, a, like, you know, it, it is a different thing. And you know what? Taking nothing away from Daniel Ricciardo, he he put in some monster performances that day. 
right? He did. And absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved seeing him in the top step. It's just a shame that all of that got marred by the front page just being uh, Max's yeah. car sitting on top of Lewis's car. Um, I know it was a, it was a sight. Hell of a hell of a crash. Yeah, it was it was a crash, and um, he was very lucky that Lewis didn't sustain any um, injuries from that because yeah, you, he, if you watch the angle, it's almost like yeah, yeah. The, one of the wheels it, was. It did actually know. bump his his helmet. Yeah, yeah unbelievable. Yeah. That so the, yeah. the the crazy thing is a few years ago when they brought in the halo, uh, the, there's this thing called a halo. It's kind of like a roll cage, right? It's this cage that kind of comes a little bit in front of the driver's vision, but. In reality, it doesn't. Um, like they don't, they don't lose sight for that. Uh, but it's essentially this roll cage to stop things from hitting, from landing on the driver, and so that you know, even if the car flips or whatever else, you're a lot safer. Now, in the last few years, we've seen some horrific incidents. That was one of them, Monza, um, and the other one was probably Joe Guan Yu last year, uh, doing multiple bad. flips in the yeah. head, like top first straight into the fence. Horrific, like genuinely horrific. And he went to hospital and he was fine soon after that. But, you know, it, it, without the halo, it's a much more dangerous sport. Like oh, this 100%. is a dangerous sport. We've lost people in the last few years driving F2 earlier this year, you know. Yeah. So it's, it is a dangerous sport. I um, think the technology in Formula 1 has improved to such an extent that, and even just the protective devices or how they design the cars to ensure optimal driver safety has been great for the sport. But you can't take away from the fact that when you are driving at 250 to 300 kilometers an hour, regardless of what protections you put, what installations you make, you're dealing with the human body that is not supposed to withstand that speed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so yeah. it's inherently a, a dangerous sport. Look, I had it as three. I'm changing my mind now. I had Azerbaijan, Hamilton, Verstappen, both an engine sort of problem. Uh -huh. He crashed out, of, crashed out of the race. Hamilton is in the lead, comes off a safety car, and then basically his car doesn't turn and he can't finish the race. Perez ends up winning the race i just thought checo always the master of street races right like i personally i really like street races or even like semi street races like albert park um monaco whether it's um baku whether it's singapore singapore's night race was it's probably one of the most spectacular things you'll ever see and it's also kind of why i'm really excited for danny rick to be racing in las vegas later this year yeah for the first time ever street race finishing down the middle of the las vegas strip at night Lights, fireworks, the work. Baku City, that street circuit in Azerbaijan is iconic. It is brilliant. And I think for me, the bit that, funnily enough, that actually did make my top five, um, but not for the same reason. Uh, the reason it made the top five for me was it was kind of a nice, uh, it was nice to see Sebastian Vettel on a podium again. After but all geez. he did to Mark Webber. <laughs> he's such a good bloke now though so, no nah, he is, he like, is. Uh, yeah and i get he's it very funny he's very anything, funny like don't tell me that people don't change when you look at seb right he was always funny but he had this cutthroat win at all cost kind of mentality he did he did i mean seb... you, you, you talked about the win at all cost mentality in a previous podcast about the thank you Bodogavska thank you series i was listening intently um <laughs> i'm not i'm not just here for the talk guys um, no, but Seb did. I mean, during, um, I'd say from 08 to 2011, oh, yeah. where he, nobody could match what he was doing in terms of speed, in terms of control over the car. When you're that young and that good and just untouchable. Exactly. It's going to go to your head. 
I challenge anyone to be at that kind of peak performance and it not go to their head. So, I mean, I didn't really enjoy his final two years of when he won, but then, or you know what it all takes. But you know all it takes for me to start liking a driver is. I go on YouTube, there's a five-minute compilation of Seb's funniest bits. I oh, watch yeah. it, oh, yeah. start laughing. I'm like, hey, this guy's pretty good, and now I'm a Seb fan. Have Better. you seen the guy yeah. drifting? No. The guy is a monster. I swear, like, Seb behind the wheel of any car, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable no, Seb, talent. Yeah, so Azerbaijan 3, you had it for a different reason, which I, I appreciate. That's a, that's a good reason for um, having it in your top five. Four for me... Arguably, it's third. Some people might even have it above that. Would be Russia, and I think the battle f- yeah, between yeah. Norris and Hamilton. Norris and Hamilton lap fifty. Uh, you know, it was a heartbreak for Norris. He gave yeah. Hamilton his hundredth win, as you said, in Formula One, um, and Verstappen made most of the rain. He, he had a he surprise second. He missed his own first win there, didn't he? He did. That would have been his first win for for Lando. Yeah. For Lando. Um, Has he won one yet? Not yet. Um, for. Verstappen, he finished second having started from the back of the grid after an engine change. Yes. Uh, but I just thought the the Russia race was all about Lando. He had really started showing his maturity. He's still young in 2021. I think he was 22. Uh, he's still young now. He's still very young. He's still, he looks like a baby. Um, but 2021, that race, you know, you couldn't help but feel sorry for him because the weather was okay. He had a car that Hamilton could not overtake. The rain started, the weather started changing. It's famous for Lando telling his, um, you know, race engineer. I don't engineer. need inters. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it was a bit stronger than that. The, it was a little bit language. stronger than that. Yeah. It yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, no, shut up. But, <laughs> but at the time I was backing him. I was saying, go Lando, like, don't stop. Yes. You know what? It really makes you appreciate it how time. it did and yeah. how important the tires are. Like that you can't, those tires, those soft and medium tires or hard tires, you can't use them in wet conditions. You can't use them on a regular road. So for, for like, go check out photos and, and videos, guys. There is none of those grooves that you see in a road car. You don't see them. The way we generate grip, those, those grooves are just there to get rid of water, right? Because essentially the way you, you get grip is having as much rubber in contact with the with the tarmac as possible, right? So that's called your contact patch. Your contact patch, the more rubber you have there, the more things you have to grip on. It's like, think about it. If you have more grip holding a glass by your full hand versus by two fingers, right? It's because the surface area is higher. That's why if you want to go as fast as humanly possible on a dry, on a dry track, you forego the ability to kick away water to maximize um, the, the contact. Now, the softer your tire, the more it presses down under weight, yeah? And the more it presses down, obviously, you get a larger contact patch, so you get it faster. There's way more to tire mechanics than that, but as an oversimplification, that's a starting point. Now, Is that from robotics engineering, or is that just... That was actually from a Formula Formula student. I learned that while we were actually (laughs) mucking around with tires. Also, don't touch a tire after a lap with your bare hand. I learned that firsthand. It is hot. Right. You will melt, like, it, it, it will burn. It will burn. I got a nice burn on my hand. I was taking tire temperature to, uh, on a test run in Picton. You know the Picton go-karting track, the outdoor yeah. track here? Loads of fun. Um, we were we were doing testing on that track, and I was taking photos and tire temperature uh, after every few laps. And, Lovely. Um, I happened to just touch the <laughs> tire. Oh, and, God. Whew, it, it is hot. And that's just going at the measly paces of like 50 to 60 kilometers per hour. <laughs> Using a 660 horsepower. But it feels like it's 200 kilometers an hour. 
Yeah, but then imagine driving it actually to Arakota. Yeah, that I thing know. is a rocket ship. Yeah. I don't know how these guys do it, but... They just do it. Yeah. Look, Russia didn't make my top five. Interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I, I can see the reasons for why it would make people's top five. I think it was one of those iconic finishes in the last yeah. few laps. Um, I mean, I felt, I felt sorry for Lando. I thought he deserved to win. He was very strong that weekend. He'll get his wins. He'll Give him time. Wins. Give yeah, him time. He'll he get his wins. He will. Um, five for me, look, I didn't want to include this because I'm more of a Mighty Max, Danny uh-huh. Rick, uh-huh. Oscar Piastri guy, even though Oscar wasn't in uh-huh. 2021. Yes. But Hamilton in Brazil. Um, Hamilton's Brazilian Grand Prix weekend, probably one of the most impressive things people would have ever seen. He was fastest in qualifying by, you know, by a big margin, but he was back of the grid in the sprint. I think it was a last to first um, finish. Yes. But in the sprint, he, so in back of the field in sprint finishes, um, P five in sprint, then starts, um, P 10 in, uh, in the actual race, because I think in that week, um, for 2021, your sprint finish would determine where you started in the actual race. But then Hamilton had a engine change, um, which meant that he had to um, push back some spots. So he starts 10, and completely dominates the race. Verstappen hadn't, didn't have the pace to compete with him. It was just all Lewis. I think, I think the track really suits Mercedes as well, right? Yeah. Like, um, oh, no, that's a lie. Think about it. Bottas started in pole, ended up in third. Um, but starting in just, pole is a reflection. Lewis, yeah. Right? That's, yeah. You're right. Those Lewis masterclass come back from 10th. And, and for context, uh, this is part of the budget and the cost cap thing. But also generally, there is a uh, limit to how many engines you can have. Uh, so, uh, for example, anytime you make a major change to your car, um, you're allowed a certain number of changes. You're allowed a certain number of engines. Now, some of these changes also incur a penalty or a cost, right? So some uh, teams will take this very tactically. And this is why I think the, the the Brazil track actually suited Mercedes a lot because they felt that if I take this penalty here for the new engine, I would probably be able to still maximize my points by finishing well because the track suits me. Now, had they done that at another race, say Monaco, you're never regaining positions in Monaco. You don't want an engine change in Monaco, right? Like just fundamentally for any car. Um, look, I don't think Brazil made my top 10, but yeah, that's a hell of a drive. It was. If you were looking at a Lewis Hamilton top 20 drives, <laughs> maybe that'll, yeah, that'll probably cut it. And one, the final one I had, it's sits outside the top five, but you could easily have it in there was Silverstone. Yeah. Um, yes. Hamilton threw everything at Verstappen on that opening lap. You had oh, the, and the and the late tire exactly tire wear on on Max's car. You had Max sort of resisting Hamilton's advances and there's that, you know, but there'll always be this argument about whether whose fault it was in terms of the the crash that took Verstappen out of the race. Oh, this is Cops Corner. Yeah, lap one. Ultimately, the F1 uh, racing committee found that Hamilton was to blame. The for, F1 for that. committee agrees with our good friend Fernando Alonso. When you say all of the time, you must leave the space. You gotta leave the space. You gotta leave the space, man. You gotta leave the space. You gotta leave the space. Like, he uh, didn't, and he copped a 10 second penalty, which basically was irrelevant for Lewis because yeah. he he copped a 10 for second penalty. For a driver like Lewis as well, in a car like that, his thing, like, you're right, but you put someone else in that same car, they might not be able to really put it up, right? Take yeah. Checo, take Checo and Verstappen. They've had very similar cars. Sure, it's it's tuned more to Verstappen's preference 
but it takes a driver like Verstappen to pull that out. I know. Right? Um, Bottas Hamilton, same thing. Yeah. Like the moment Bottas moved to a, a mid-tier team like uh, Alfa Romeo, he's a different kind of driver. He's, you know, coasting around at the in the midfield. He's had some impressive qualities. Why Why do people call Bottas a... Um... So when I was at the uh, when I was at Albert Park this year, everyone was calling Bottas a like almost a Australian citizen. Oh, he 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 might as well be. Have I'd, I missed the story? I'd, I'd vote for him if he was running for PM. Um, <laughs> he got he got the second his um, biggest round Australian. of applause. Ah, oh, right. His okay. partner's Australian, and he spends a lot of time down here. No wonder. Um, no wonder. That's probably yeah, why. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and of course, uh, he's gone for the full mullet. You know. Yeah. The full mullet look, uh, you know. He, he's got... He's he embracing Aussie, Aussie culture. Look. Yeah. He's embracing Aussie culture big time. Um, have I missed any, Cozzy? Oh, did you, you missed... have Did you have a couple outside of that? I did. I did. Um, for me, Jeddah, which is Saudi Arabia, the qualifying lap, Max, he was flying. He mm. was like, that car was not on the ground. It was so quick. I, I just remember the, the funniest footage of it wasn't even the actual... Like, yeah, watching it, you see purple sector after purple sector. Purple sector basically means they've driven the fastest out of all of the drivers for that sector, right? So if you get a yellow, you're you're slower than other drivers. If you get a green, it's your best or you're in par with the, the top drivers. And if you're purple, you're better. You've set the best time of the day for that sector. And there's two, a, a lap is split into three sectors. Now, sector one, he gets a purple. Is purple Sec- your best or every, the- everyone's best across the whole thing? So you're, you're, if you set three purple sectors, you're it. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's Paul, right? Um, but if you haven't set three, you could set two purple sectors and a green and still be on pole, right? Because your third sector may not have been as quick as someone else's, but overall you've but done the fastest lap. But your other two were a right? lot quicker. Yeah. Yes. So this guy had a purple sector, sector one, sector two, purple. And he is just like, you know, millimeters, millimeters away from the wall. He's almost brushing the wall. Now, this is a street circuit. This is a street circuit where there is no runoff. There's no gravel trap. There's no, if you miss the turn, if you don't break early enough, you slide off this way. This is the kind of circuit that if you miss it, you're going into the wall. And he did. And he did. (laughs) But until then, until that moment... I, I remember afterwards so much footage of Alonzo and Danny Rick being interviewed and neither of them could focus on the interview because they were busy watching this lap and they were just enthralled. And to see other drivers watch a lap like that, and obviously we could see it too, but these are guys that live on those on those circuits, right? Um, it was incredible to see, but it's the lap that, the, the quality lap that could have been because... I remember after that crash, Alonso, Alonso turns around and says, well, back to reality. You dropped so, the World Cup. <laughs> uh, not quite. He's still got it. But <laughs> he's still, he's the still fact that it. you've got someone like Alonso telling you, welcome back to reality, is insane because it just tells you how unreal that lap was, yeah. right? And that's an iconic, iconic 2021 moment, I think. What else did you have? Did you have anything else? I did. Um... Kimi retiring in yes. classic Kimi fashion. Uh, the brakes aren't working. Oh, well, no point. <laughs> Is there any point racing anymore? Let's go, guys. It was, to be honest, the whole of 2021, it was, uh, it's really a shame that a lot of people only ever saw that of Kimi because he was great on screen. He was great as like a yeah. the guy that, why am I here? Kind of, do right? you think, do you think Formula One does a good job of celebrating retiring drivers? I think as individuals, the people around the paddock do. 
I think they had a bunch of good um, post, uh, you know, post-race interviews and things like that that are quite good. But they don't give you... Like, you don't get, like, the guard of honour kind of thing. That's what I as mean. As much I, as cricket. I, and in the sense... I. Let's go back to cricket or you go back to right. you watch tennis. Steve or, War 2004. Yeah, and it? it's yeah. a real commemoration. It's a real celebration yes. of that person, that individual. The whole thing is about them. When Kimi retired, when I think Seb got a bit more of a like, bit more of um, fanfare. Yeah, because Seb left it to like the last minute and left everyone a video saying, hey, yeah. guys, I'm leaving. I don't that know. was a bit more of a... a, a, a I mean, Kimi, Kimi told, I think most people kind of had a feeling and he kind of had told, at least he told Drive to Survive and the, and the yeah. Formula One guys that he was leaving. Because so. it's almost like that as a Formula One driver, you never retire on top. You, you Unless you're Nico unless Rosberg. Unless you're Nico Rosberg. Unless yeah, you're Nico Rosberg, say. you never retire on top. You, If you have a strong car, it's always, well, I can win next year as well. And so what that means is that you ultimately, when you retire from the sport, it's always, you peter you're around. never at your best. You, you, pull, it, you pull it out rather. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, on he is my favorite cricketer of all time. Rahul, hands yeah. down, Rahul Dravid. I I grew up in Bangalore, right? No, that's uh, <laughs> me imitating Rahul Dravid playing a defensive shot and then saying <laughs> no run. <laughs> um, <laughs> For but, context, but yeah, you're right. Look, I, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's a factor. Yeah, um, but maybe, I like that. I like that you shouted out Kimmy because 2021 was the final year for Kimmy. Yeah. And yeah. he was one of those drivers that came from the glory days for me, the V10 engine days of so, F1. So for me, uh, when I started watching in 07, this was when Kimmy decided to return because rally car racing is too boring. Um, and he returns and he wins World Drivers' Championship and he is the last uh, Ferrari winner like the last world drivers champion that Ferrari ever had. Yeah. Right? He is. He is. He is. Yeah. And and that was the first season of F1 that I'd ever watched. So mm. for me to see this guy called Raikkonen in a, in a red Ferrari. Unbelievable. Going absolutely, you know, blasting around the circuit. Uh, that was that was massive for me because, I mean, Seb only came in the following year, but I was paying attention by the time Seb came in. Seb had, sorry, Seb had that, had that one race replacing Robert Kubica. Um, Shout out Robert Kubica. Who of, also... He did, he did. He had, had a 2021 comeback. I'll spend one second on Robert Kubica. Kubica had an unfortunate injury in rally car uh, racing, or it may have been outside of the Formula One season. It took him out. He basically couldn't return to his uh, peak performance for years and never actually returned to what he was capable of doing. He was a uh, emerging star in the Formula One competition and it's sad that we'll never see him um, realize his full potential. But he was a he was one of those drivers that could have won a lot of races had he stayed fully fit. Yeah, um, yeah. I yeah. mean, for 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 you know, for reference, fully fit is probably like underselling it. it yeah, he severed part of his arm, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's pretty horrific. Yeah, um, it's, no, it's, the it's, fact I mean, that he's still driven after I love that, that is, I love is that. mind-boggling to me. I think right? it's great. I think it, it shows who he is as a person, his character, his personality, his resilience. Yes. We should be celebrating those things, even if they don't win. It doesn't matter. The, f the fact that he was came back to racing means he won. There was a moment, and this is probably, no one's going to pick this out, unless you're watching every <laughs> minute of that season. Uh, Circuit of the Americas, USA, Kimi versus Alonso, wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing, 
for last place or it was somewhere in the midfield <laughs> um but it was like it was such a throwback to that early era of yeah. Alonso in in the in the McLarens and then Kimi in his Ferrari days and oh man to see those guys it was just a masterclass of old school wheel to wheel racing it was just nice to see like for yeah. me that kind of weirdly it was such a throwback moment for me that I'm like, this is a beautiful moment. Like, let's, for a second, let's put aside the Lewis, Max, Max Lewis, you know, Michael Massey. Like, let's put that aside. And what do we really appreciate about the season? We got moments like that. We got moments where Pierre Gasly was driving like a monster in that Alpha Tower. He made that car look great. He did. When the car was only good and has not changed from that where all the other cars have overtaken it now. So, different That's, story. No, but <laughs> good call, mate. Good call. Um, it, Kimi Alonso. I think you get a lot of actually a lot of the most the most exciting parts of the race are actually when it's a race between eight and nine or yeah, five yeah, and six. Yeah. Um, Your midfield battles are amazing yeah, to watch. They take more chances because they know the 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 risk profile or the risk exposure is a lot less because you're not competing for a podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you take you're competing more chances. for the difference of like two points here and there. Exactly. And um, so no, that's a good one. Actually, makes a bigger difference to the constructors' championship. Yes. So like weirdly, when once you're at that top you're kind of benefiting already. Once you're down the bottom and the middle of the, middle of the pack, it makes a huge difference where your your team ends up to the benefits you get at the end of the season. Exactly. Um, and for to those, become a better team for the following and, year. And for those middle teams, one or two points can sometimes Make be determined. difference. Yeah. Um, so I guess if you're listening and you had others, do let me know. You know, you can always just message me or there will be plenty of other highlights that um, you might have had as well. Cosy, the the next thing I want to do is quickly go through. Would you believe that it's a new segment I want to do, which is where I talk about uh, some unbelievable facts from that event or that championship. Oh yeah, and you tell me if you actually believe that this happened. So nine of the twenty two races in twenty twenty one were won by a margin of less than five seconds, and so Jeez. that's. Less than five seconds. Less than five seconds. And so I no, think... Clearly, no. I wouldn't believe that. But it goes. Jeez. It just goes to show quality of the driving at the top. Clearly, it was all between Max and Lewis. Yes. And it, both their cars were probably similar. I think maybe Mercedes had a slightly faster car, but then Max was getting everything out of his car, which meant that each race was... It was never a foregone conclusion. I think, think, no, I wouldn't believe that. Like, I mean, I think we've been lulled into these years and years of Mercedes dominance. Like, sure, you had Nico in the middle, but also in a Mercedes, right? Like, you just had the Mercedes dominance the whole time. It That's a good fact. And I like it. It's actually indicative that the whole season was exciting for a reason. It's not just Michael Massey in the last lap. (laughs) The whole season was just, you lose two seconds here. It's got, or if like Bottas was it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, but yeah. geez, yeah. Um, Carlos Sainz, he finished every race in 2021. Um, and I can I can believe that. Yeah, it's, well, it's only the 10th time that feat was achieved and Sainz almost came close to scoring at every race. 
Really? And so the only time he failed to score was in Portugal and France, and he finished 11th. I, I think he gets the Mr. Consistent Award. And, but you wouldn't have thought that. Like, see, I, If no, I think of 2021, I don't think of Carlos Sainz. See, I, I do think of Carlos Sainz in 2021 because it's so stark in contrast to Leclerc. And you see yeah. these two guys in Ferrari. Carlos had just gone to Ferrari. I think Leclerc had joined them a year before or something like that. Um, and, and, and you just see basically these very different drivers, right? Like Charles Leclerc is, I think, a better driver and a faster driver than Carlos. I think on his day, Carlos cannot catch Charles yeah, Leclerc. I'll I agree just be with honest. You. Like he's just... He, he, so I think Leclerc and Lando are two of those few guys who if you put them in similar machinery... Uh, probably George Russell maybe is another one and yeah. maybe yeah, and maybe Pierre Gasly. If you put them in similar machinery to a Max Verstappen, you're going to see a hell of a race on your hands, right? Like, I mean, I think even Max knows that Charles and Lando in good machinery. Uh, what, was, what was it that he said a few months ago? He's like, oh, I didn't expect to see Lando. Well, yeah. sorry, <laughs> I didn't expect to see a McLaren. I always expect to see Lando there. Exactly. Right? And that's that's telling. Like, it is. They are quick. But for me, Carlos, that was it was so such an important fact for Charles to learn that he ended up lower in the table in the final standings as a yeah. driver than Carlos, despite being the faster driver and the arguably, well, the faster, but clearly not the better driver. No. Because if you're not finishing races, if you're putting it into the wall, if you're lo- if you're missing out on Monaco entirely, you know, you're... You're going to lose points. You're just and, not going to be there. You're going to hurt yourself when it comes to the finishing um, the yeah, end, yeah, end result. Yeah. And standing. The final sort of interesting fact that came from the season, and what was the first season since 2008 where the winning driver was not part of the Constructors' Championship title as well. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I can believe that. That's just Mercedes dominance. It was Mercedes, and yeah. then it's it's that beautiful trifecta of having Mercedes and Lewis uh, all in the same place for a number of years, and just building that entire team and car around his arguably brilliant racing style. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. Not taking anything away from him, but like you just got so used to that. So yeah, uh, it was it was nice to see. I wouldn't. Like, I, I could believe that based on the season. Yeah. But, yeah, I think we all got lulled into a different sense of security with the constructors always going to the driver. Exactly. Um, hot seat, who came into the season with the most pressure or during the course of the season? For me, it's Danny. Danny Ricciardo, Ricardo, Danny Ricks. Yes. He was at Red Bull. He moved to Renault. He decides that after two years, I need to try my hand at McLaren. I thought it was a season that although he won, I still felt like he was still under the most pressure because he still had something to prove that he could be competing for a driver's championship, but he didn't. I wouldn't give that award to him in 2021. I would give it to him in 2022 because at that point he was already down and people were really piling pressure on him to perform, right? Yeah. I think about halfway through the season, yes, I think Danny Rick started this pressure building um, the, the, the question that's fair, is, that's fair. when it comes to hot seat, it's not just about the driver. Oh. And, and this is where I'm going to, I'm going to give you multiple answers because okay. I like to cheat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was never good at exams, but you know, you can find a way around it. But you somehow um, are scoring a hundred. Oh, uh, we'll see. I, I don't think I've ever scored a hundred in anything. Um, uh, so look, yeah, you can always talk about drivers, but imagine the pressure on Gunter Steiner. Mm. he's got two rookies he's got Mick and he's got 
Nicotamazepine. Mazepin, yep. Giovinazzi was uh, Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo, yes. Um, so he had Mig and he had Nikita Mazepin, Mazepin. And these boys are going bumper car driving. <laughs> they're, they're going crashing into barriers, spinning out, you know. And Haas is a, is a, is a team on a knife edge. I encourage anyone, if you want to learn about how to deal with pressure, how to deal with impossible situations and how to deal with just being a leader of a vastly technical team way above your like uh, capacity go have a listen to his his book like i, I know i'm just kind of spruiking it's a good shout out for gunter's book i know gunter you owe me some uh like you know some royalties some royal not royalties but at least some commission for god's sake um uh no but um, i feel like i'm gonna go and read the book just because you've been speaking about it's it. It's so worth it. But you know what? Go listen to it. You get yeah. such a laugh out of hearing Gunther just talk his way In through his it. his voice, yeah. It's just know. worth it. Like the book, I think, go for the audio book. Okay. Right? Um, but Haas is on a knife edge. But then, okay, that's that's Gunther, right? Ferrari. Think about Ferrari as a team and McLaren as a team. Mm. They have not been performing for years. Yeah. Imagine the pressure on the team principles, Right. Zach Brown, he's thrown this Hail Mary and suddenly found, well, Carlos is leaving, but hey, we managed to land a Danny Rick. Surely this is the year, is what Zach Brown is thinking, right? Surely. And then, um, you know, beyond that, you look at Ferrari, and uh, look, let's not even talk about Ferrari. Last, Especially the last three years, Ferrari has been just painful to watch, right? Yeah. Um, but I reckon my hot seat as an individual and as a driver, Mick. Mick. Mick Schumacher. Okay. He's the son of Michael Schumacher. Right? Let me, let me just put it this way. Have you heard of a cricketer called Rohan Gavaskar? I mean, I have, but... You, let's throw back to your would you believe it section. Would you believe that he has played a test match for India? I um, believe yeah. he's played a test match. It might be an ODI, but he's played no, one I international. ODI. ODI, because uh, I remember... Uh, I remember Sunny Sunny G Sunny it Glasgow, might have been an ODI, um, you're right. watching him play. It was during 0304. How painful would that be to be Sunny Gavaskar? I know. Uh, commentating on on Ron Gavaskar. No, but your but geez. your Mick Schumacher point is good. It's well made in you've the sense of you've got the name. Yeah. You've got the name Schumacher. First of all, you're dealing with Gunther and and Gene Haas breathing down your neck as you keep wrecking cars, and you're given Jane Jane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got to go and call Gene. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I, I, would not, I would love to be a fly on that wall, actually. Yeah. Um, but but imagine the weight of all of that on your back, right? The brutal media coverage. You're, you've just come into the most media-covered season of F1 history. All the lights are on you. He has no senior driver in his team to mentor him at all. He, he doesn't have a Bottas for your show, Guan Yu. In Alfa Romeo, yeah, you know he doesn't have a Seb for your Leclerc in, in Ferrari. You don't have that hand on your shoulder. Like, sure, he he actually did have Seb as a mentor across teams, the same way that Schumacher was a mentor for Seb, which is a really touching sight to see Mick and Seb play uh, play football in the you know yeah in the garage, the same way that uh, Seb used to with Michael Schumacher um, back in the day. But good call. I, I think the other thing for Mick is his own internal pressure because yeah. that guy is fast. Toto's got it right. I'm, I'm calling it now. You heard it here. Probably not first because there are other Formula One podcasts that have talked about this. Toto's got it right. Picking Mick 
if Mick gets in a top car and has the time to just build himself as a driver, oh my God, he's going to be fast. Well, he's always had that potential. It's a... It's difficult to do well or perform in a Haas. Um, he, you know, ultimately Haas lost a little bit of patience with him. He's now a reserve driver, but I think it's a good call that he was on the hot seat. So I'll, I'll give you that. In terms of most disappointing performances, I don't really want to harp on the disappointments of the season because I thought all in all, it was one of the great, if not the greatest um, yes. Formula One season. But if I was to say it very quickly, I'd say Ferrari generally and Aston Martin. Um, oh, yeah. They were disappointing in terms of uh, podium finishes. You would have thought wins. Aston would have done something with that. You name. would have thought. I mean, Aston Martin in 2023 is a different story, but in Aston 2021, Martin 2021, it gave people hope that Aston's coming. But here's the thing Aston came to the party and started to turn Racing Point around. So you're only seeing the benefits of that in 2023. It's like you said, two years for Daniel Rick at Renault, what's that going to do? Same question, two years, Aston Martin, it takes a while to turn that around. It does, it so, does, yeah. But they should have done better than a P7 finish and getting half of half is, half the points of an Alpha Tauri says is, is, is unacceptable from an Aston Martin mm. perspective. So I thought they were, it was a slightly disappointing year for them or very disappointing year. I would say in terms of, just Definitely gen- for Seb. It yeah, for Seb yeah. it was um, completely. Yeah. Uh, the race cancellations were a disappointment from an Australian perspective, yeah, from China yes. perspective. Yes. Um, those races not being there, Vietnam, Vietnam would have hosted in Hanoi. It, it, it didn't go ahead. I thought sprint qualifyings were a disappointment, but that's from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, yes, you, um, you don't like sprints in, we, in general. We, you no, know, um, I don't. Um, I think the format can be tweaked. Like we, yeah. we were talking about this earlier, that it, imagine if like based on qualies, if you had a head-to-head uh, of each pair of drivers, head-to-head four laps each, and then you win some constructors' points out of that, that would be a really interesting way to to spruce up the con- constructors championship. Yeah, um, um, and my final one, because this is a he's racing now, but it was sad that Oscar Piastri, who was winning in F three, I think at the time he was dominating in F two, he still couldn't get a yes. seat at Renault. There was no guarantee that he was going to keep um, that he was going to have a seat. It had o- Ocon and Alonso. Well, it was the, it was the talk between does Shoguan Yu get a seat or does does Oscar Piastri get a seat? And there was talk about how much they could bring in terms of marketing. And ultimately, I think in F1, you should pick the driver who can get you the wins. And Oscar, See, to me, is someone who can. Here's the interesting thing. I, as much as you... Uh, like, I, I kind of agree with you, but at the same time... Like, okay, no, I fully agree with you. It shouldn't be about the money and how, you, how many followers you bring and things like that, right? Otherwise, this turns into, you know... Uh, but ultimately, you know how they have that influencer boxing boxing series kind of thing. It's going to turn into that, right? Um, but I think you'd be hard pressed to deny that Shou Guan Yu doesn't deserve to be there. No, hell of a right. driver. You're right. Right? Even even like Mick, like if you go and watch, um, it's uh, you know if you if you go and watch it, I think it's called the um, Race of Champions. That's it. Race of Champions. Race of yep. Champions. Um, go check it out unbelievable right um he deserves to be there he is that good a driver right oscar piastri all due respect does deserve to be there as well um in time they'll make it right the guys that deserve to be there will make it as much as people talk about stroll and oh he's just there because you know and daddy lawrence has (laughs) all this money to throw into uh, aston martin so he gets a seat 
he went and broke like two fingers and a rib and something else and a foot or something earlier this year before like the second race or something. And he came in like an absolute monster, right? Like he's been he's been driving out of his skin this year in 2023. Well, if you're, if you're a billionaire and you can afford to buy a Formula One team, then if you want to put your son in there, then put him in there. If Stroll was really that bad, that didn't deserve to be there. Exactly. And right? he's not that bad. He's not that bad. He's actually finishing middle of the pack. Yeah. Now, slightly different story with Nikita Mazepin. <laughs> Low-key, I think Nikita Mazepin... Obviously, with the issues happening with Russia, he was out of it. He, he didn't from race. From 2022. From 2022. Yeah. Yes. But... So, Sochi, yeah. 2021, that, that race uh, was yeah. actually the last Russian uh, F1... Exactly. As far as we know. Yeah. Um, you never I, know. It may come back. We'll never know. Or it um, may never happen again. Exactly. Um, we're going to finish with this, Cozzy. Would you remember this f- season in 40 years' time? If someone said, you know, you're, you're 40 years older than what you are now, your your interests have changed, you're now a you're now into lawn bowls and you're now into <laughs> croquet, <laughs> you've, you've lost all love for Ooh. cricket, you've lost all love, you know, the TV doesn't work anymore and the your life has changed and someone says, oh, what happened in 2021? Are you remembering this season? Can I ask you, uh, I'll answer that question with a question. Okay. Will you ever forget Sewag's 309? No, uh, would you ever forget Lara's 400? I'll never forget Lakshman's 281. Eden Gardens, you're never going to forget that either. I can't. Like, just unforgettable. There are certain events that I think when you talk about the history of a sport, they will sit up and they will take notice. Yep. I think, sure, I may not actively wake up in the morning 40 years from now and think, <laughs> oh, you remember 2021? Formula? No, right? <laughs> but if someone asks me, hey, um, you've been watching F1 for a little while now. Old man, um, yeah. What were the what were the big years? Yeah, right. Oh seven, oh eight, when when uh, you know Seb comes in to yep. play. Um, Twenty thirteen, Lewis taking that big you know mm. jump into Mercedes. Twenty sixteen, Nico. That battle was for the ages. Exactly. Oh um, seven, Kimmy. You know, twenty twenty one. It sits in there, man. Yeah. It sits in there. And I agree with you. I think 2021 sits in there with me as well um, because of the way it finished, because of the topsy-turvy nature of the the whole season. I should say Michael Massey is not a name that's going to be forgotten in Formula 1 anytime soon. No. um, I'm a Massey supporter. (laughs) You're a Massey Massey. fan. Um, I can't say the same, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Cozzy... I loved doing this with you. I thought it's hard to do justice to a whole year. We could have done a... Yeah, this was unfair, mate. With your previous two two podcasts, you went like, what was it? Olympics, which is like a few weeks. We did sure. a series. We did a whole... We had to do a whole year now. We had to do an entire yeah. year. And you know what? We haven't even scratched the surface. <laughs> People there will... are things in my yeah. uh, that come to mind now that I'm just like, geez, we, we could go for this? another two hours. And my whole point is that if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this now... Yes, we did only cover some of the highlights and some of the lowlights, and I like to say everything in between. But, you know, one day it might be that Cozzy and I come back and we do one of the other F1 seasons, which may have been, you know, Kimmy winning or Lewis winning, and we'll see if we've forgotten anything from the 2021 season. 
That is it for part two of the Formula One 2021 season, a spectacular season. I hope we really put a bow to it. Thanks again to my guest, Kazi Krish, Kasul Krishnamurti, really showcased his knowledge of motorsports. Coming up next week is the 2005 Ashes, and then I'm going to be trying to look at some other sports as well, tennis, basketball, even the English Premier League. So thanks again for listening. Please download, please subscribe, and please give me some feedback if there's anything you want me to cover. See you soon. 